The first reading that the sermon is based off of for the feast day of St. Mark is from Isaiah chapter 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The second reading that the sermon is based off of is from Second Timothy chapter 4. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with his, this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Uh, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and Luke is alone with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray before we begin. Lord God, guide us in our doings and, and our working to meditate on your life, your suffering, your struggling in your death and resurrection. Amen. Well, good morning. Pastor Peter asked me to come and speak to you to give you a testimony. Uh, I'm sorry, he couldn't get an apostle, so you'll have to do with John Mark. Let me begin by talking about my early life. I was a servant most of my life. I didn't come from money. We, you know, most of my life was commuting into Jerusalem to work servant jobs. Um, I kind of hung around with a teacher and a group of his uh, disciples that you all know, of course, because you're here. Uh, His name was Jesus. And uh, I came into the picture when I went and drew water for their last supper. Um, I was that servant who did that. But I also, at one of the lowest points of my life, uh, ran naked and deserted Jesus when he needed his friends the most. But you see, um, I didn't really follow Jesus. I just admired him until quite a bit later. And I'm a very different guy now. You see, um, I had a hard time understanding when I was a young guy following those people around. How I, I couldn't rationalize how Jesus could be God And also be man. 
I didn't understand how his disciples would talk about him falling asleep in a boat, withering a fig tree, and at the same time be the Lord or the Son of Man or the Son of God. And if he is God, then why does he need a servant boy like me fetching him water? Yeah, I, I didn't really think about that. I, I struggled with it until I met Peter. Peter is a great guy. I really look up to him. Uh, he was one of the first guys that would come over and they would meet at my mom's house. Uh, all the apostles, they'd come and meet at my mom's house because she supported the church. And I would overhear their discussions, talking about Jesus of Nazareth's life his death, his suffering, his miracles, all the weird things he said, all the beautiful things he said. And I began to look up to Peter because he was a faithful guy. I really, really, really looked up to him. In fact, in one of his letters, he calls me his son. But, you know, like all people, we're all sinful. Peter got into a spat with Paul. I don't know if They've read the letter to the Galatians to you guys yet, but they got in a tizzy over the closeness that you need to follow Jewish law if you are a Christian. But that is beside the point, and I think they are reconciled now. But later he wrote something, Peter did, that stuck out to me. It was in a second letter. We have something more sure, prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until that day dawns and the morning star rises. I figured, hey, that's kind of cool. I'd never thought of that before, Peter. Thank you. I need to pay closer attention to Jesus's words. And the people that are sharing his word are these guys, these apostles that are meeting at my mom's house. And I, faith is being worked in me when I hear these stories. Maybe I should give them a time of day. He was, Peter would, I would, I started meeting with him more intentionally, asking him about, you know, certain things Jesus had said, certain things he had done that was confusing to me and uh, was difficult for me to hear. And I don't know, I was, you know, kind of following around Peter to place to place hearing him preach. And I thought, hey, Peter, what if we sat down together and I, um, I compiled all of your sermons, all of your teaching, all of your wisdom that you had gained from Jesus. And we sat down and I made it into something with a beginning, a middle and an end. And it would be kind of like, it would be easy. We'd do kind of like a Greek tragedy. It would be simple in structure. It would take like an hour at max and any father of any household could read this work. And people that had never met Jesus would get to experience him listen to him, and be challenged by what he did and said. And it wasn't until I sat down and started doing this work with Peter that I really came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior and to believe in him by the Holy Spirit.
As I was working, I realized it was plain and simple. One of the earliest things, first things that I had marked down, Jesus's message. It all boiled down to this. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It was that simple. Faith in Christ's word, faith in Christ's promises were enough. I was studying all of Peter's sermons. I was organizing all of his teachings into a rough draft of what I think I'll call a gospel later on. I'll probably publish it towards the end of my life. Uh, My cousin, Barnabas, he contacted me and he said, Hey, Mark, what if you come with us and do some evangelism? Some go on a mission trip with me and Paul. I said, Hey, this is my foot, my shoe in the door into gospel ministry. I would love to. Um, And uh, let's just say I learned a lot. I did a lot of evangelism right there on the ground. I preached a lot. Um, I was refining this gospel message and we touched a lot of hearts, but I was young and I had never been outside of Jerusalem before and I got homesick. And uh, another low point I said, I'm sorry, Paul, but I'm going home. I'm departing. It was a hard decision, but it's what happened. And I think Paul started to resent me when I did that. I was so excited, too, about um, the work that I was doing with Peter. And uh, I was excited about this gospel project that I, I think I also started to get on Paul's nerves. And... For a while, I got to tell you, I think Paul hated me. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I was also embarrassed, too, that I'd probably hurt my cousin Barnabas's relationship with Paul as well. Because Barnabas, he tried to stick up for me and uh, try and bring me along again. But Paul put in an official letter of the church that I had abandoned him. And let me tell you, didn't make me happy. How could he make that assumption that I abandoned him? I was homesick. I was a stupid kid. It was a mistake. Why didn't he just contact me and ask me how I felt about it? Couldn't that have made things a little easier for him and me? I said, I thought maybe Paul hated me, but let me tell you, I think I hated Paul for a really long time. And it kills me to to say it out loud with my own words to you guys, but I lie in bed and I'm just holding resentment against Paul. How could he just say I abandoned him? I was just a dumb kid. Why wouldn't he just ask me? And so... After a few days, a few nights of this, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I went to Peter, my, my mentor, and I asked him for advice. And I, I knew Peter and Paul were, they had had a spat in the past, so. I'll never forget what Peter said. Because instead of, you know, bearing false witness or saying something terrible about Paul, instead, Peter 
he pointed me to Jesus, to all that work that we were doing together, studying Jesus' life. He pointed to the false witnesses against Jesus. Uh, He pointed to the soldiers mocking him and not understanding who he was, to Peter himself denying him three times. And let's not forget me showing my own self, me running away naked in the night, deserting Jesus when he needed me most, even if I was just a servant. In fact, um, I think what hurts me the most is I was talking with John and he told me that because he was there when Jesus died with his mom, Mary. And he told me Jesus quoted Psalm 22 as his last words. He said, my God, have you abandoned me too? And I began to realize that Jesus took all that hatred, that abandonment, that resentment, and he took it on himself and died with it. And it died and it was gone. And it made me remember back to when I was a young man, like I was telling you before, uh, how I was having a hard time understanding how Jesus could be the Son of God, the Messiah, and this meek human being. How in his agony, his death, he was this weak human being, but at the same time, he did perfect and wonderful things. And I started to realize well, what if he was a servant, just like me? And what if that's the point? What if he is a servant that bears a harder burden than I ever bore? The weight of all of that hatred, resentment, and alienation that I was experiencing with Paul, he bore. He had to suffer for sinners like me, for everyone. He had to take on our sins and die as a perfect sacrifice because he was the suffering servant from Isaiah. That scroll that I always listened to growing up in Hebrew school, that was Jesus, the suffering servant. And he didn't only suffer and die, he rose again. And just like he promised, he rose again and went to Galilee And was perfect because he is perfect. He is the son of God and he is the son of man. His word and his promise are enough. All the way from the beginning. I had written it in my own draft. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time came at Jesus' death. It is now. He is crucified, but he is risen. And he is crucified and he is risen for you. The kingdom is here. It's breaking in. And you can come with me if you only had ears to hear and eyes to see. Well... What that also reminds me of is when Peter was telling the story about when Jesus, he he like made this prophecy about a fig tree and good fruit and bad fruit. And then they came back after going to the temple and he withered it. Wacky story, but Jesus says something that 
Peter told me that sticks out in my head. He said, Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who's in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. I mean, that drove me to repentance. I need to reconcile, no matter what's between Paul and Peter, between Paul and Barnabas, Paul and me, I need to be humble. I need to be honest. I need to be a suffering servant of the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. If he died for me and lived for me, then I need to live for him as well. And so Paul and I, we did reconcile. We did it. Even though he's busy and he's traveling all the time, we made it happen. We reconciled. And we both came to realize that we had these misconceptions that clouded the truth. And our mutual faith and purpose in Jesus Christ, it made this reconciliation work in the Holy Spirit. And I invite you to have this peace and forgiveness in your life as well. It was enough with the pride for me, enough with the ego, the forgiveness of Christ that he promised I allowed to come into my life for that kingdom to break into my own. For my world to be swallowed up by his. Because we're not going to just see our loved ones in heaven. We're going to see the other ones too. The people we don't love. The people we're angry with. And yet believe and are saved. Paul's great. Peter is kind of my favorite, but he's great too. Neither of them is better than the other. The gospel mission is being accomplished through both of them. In fact, Paul's actually become a great mentor to me in recent months. And I know that he's a solid Christian because he forgives people and he does it publicly. He wouldn't leave me in shame with the other, the other guys. He actually just wrote a second letter to a guy named Timothy. I don't know if they've read it yet uh, in your guys' worship, but um, Timothy's doing something cool. He's trying to refine um, what has been set into place. Uh, we're, we're calling it like overseer or pastor or some people like to be called father. We haven't agreed on what to call it yet, but he's trying to make it the best that it can be, and he's doing it under Paul's guidance and leadership. So um, I'm really excited for that project, and I pray for all pastors' success. But in this letter, he, uh, he actually mentions me by name. He says, <clears throat> oh, and by the way, he seems to think that he's going to die sometime soon, but He says, get Mark and bring him with you for he's very useful to me for ministry. And uh, hey, that, uh, that meant a lot to me. After our fight, after you know, our reconciliation, publicly he said, hey, come on down and help me. You know, I know that you, you know, he said I abandoned him, but now we understand. And he's actually invited me back to do mission work with him. And that's incredible. But uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I help him and help Christ no matter what. And um, actually, I, I almost, I joked when I, when I heard it, when I, read it, when I heard it first in the assembly, 
Um, he actually, I think, has a little reference to my gospel project. He says right at the end, he says, when you come, bring the cloak, beware the blacksmith. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. That's my idea. Jesus came for his heavenly kingdom to break in. And it looks like Paul, the old dog, can learn new tricks. I'm quite touched, actually. To close, I noticed that we brought out the Isaiah scroll today for one of the readings, and I love that. It's one of my favorites, but... uh, in it, he writes, blessed are those, the, the feet of those who bring good news. And um, I understand because I'm Mark the Evangelist. You know, you have a minor celebrity coming and speaking, but I understand that's about me, but that's about you too, because you bear the good news in a way that only you can to your neighbors and your family. And it's important to meditate on that idea that blessed are you because you bring good news. But I'd also like to point you to Isaiah's suffering servant, who was lifted up, who was despised and rejected by men, a man well acquainted with grief, pierced for our transgressions, our sins, humiliated, struck down by God, and crushed for our wrongdoing. And by his wounds, we are healed. When the, when the women went to anoint Jesus' body on Easter morning, and they only found an angel there, he told them something strange. He said, he's not here. He's risen. Go and meet him in Galilee, just like he told you. Jesus' word, his promise are enough. And that's what I want you to take away from my gospel, my gospel project that I'm working on. Jesus' word and promise are enough for faith, for eternal life. When you believe it is for you, when he did these things for you. They brought purpose to my young, chaotic, resentful life. They brought me mentors that formed me that I'll never forget. They brought me reconciliation to relationships that I thought were ruined forever. So please, if you have the ears to hear and the eyes to see, his word and promise, his death, his resurrection are for you. Repent and believe. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.